Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Arbo's most work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back, Elliot, to talk about Null 9.3, uh, yeah. which uh, concludes, continues, sorry, from where, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to where it concludes in a second. It continues from 9.2, where Blake uh, is denied help from the lawyers. Uh, by following this up, Blake kind of standing up on his feet and demanding more explanation from what we find out is Mrs. Lewis. Yeah. And I mean, what really stood out to me here is how, like, commanding and, and sort of demanding he is yeah like there's sort of three things i think you could do in this situation which is just like sit half on the bridge and and cop it yeah uh or just like beg and plead for her to come back which like i think probably would have been what i would do admittedly mm-hmm. uh or see like you know go all aggro like blake does yeah um and i mean you know this is sort of really setting up the theme of the chapter which is like blake is not going to give up yeah, like he he's he's not necessarily going to go forwards or upwards or or whatever, but uh, <laughs> he's he's not going to stop moving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he's he's really kind of sticking it to Mrs. Lewis, right? Um, mm-hmm. and it it kind of well, I wouldn't say works, but it gets her to engage with him a little bit more, which is good. But it it also kind of feels like he's getting more and more. I don't know. Maybe this is too early to make this kind of read, but it. it he he kind of talks about later on in the chapter how he's always fighting and it always seems to put him further away from where he actually wants to be. Um, and that's what this feels like kind of on a second read. It feels like that to me. It feels like he's kind of not, not necessarily fighting Mrs. Lewis because that, obviously there's not really anything that he can do there anyway, but mm. it just feels like the mindset that he's in is more of the fighting mindset. Yeah, well, I mean, so the thing about the drains is like you can't, let yourself get too emotional mm. because I feel like that's also playing into the drains almost as much as switching it off. Yeah. Um. So like you're kind of stuck trying to walk this line of like letting it hit you but not letting it overwhelm you. Um. Which which yeah. is sort of really tough. And um. You know. So watching Blake sort of come at Miss Lewis like this is is a little bit concerning as much as you like. You know. Yeah, yeah, get it. fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I mean, we really see this. Like, I think this is made really clear. Like, I'm skipping ahead a bit, but uh, the bit where Blake, after he has the visions, uh, wants to like punch or kick a wall, but he can't because he's too fucked up already, and so yeah. he's just sort of forced to swallow his frustration, and that's just sort of a really clear little depiction of what you have to do here. Like, you mm. can't. You, you hurt yourself if you react and and so you just gotta and you, you can't just let yourself let it go so you just gotta kind of mull in it yeah you just kind of have to stew in your anger in a very frustrating way <laughs> yeah um so the other thing that happens here that i like uh is miss lewis said uh is they're, they're talking about how people have forgotten about blake and blake says i know about me i said you do she said why that would be telling <laughs> which is like <laughs> it's it seeds this mystery that i don't know it just there's more going on than you than you really thought to stop and think about with all these drain stuff happening yeah i mean I, like i think my response in the live read was like wait i didn't even realize i was meant to be tinfoiling about this like <laughs> I, I didn't even realize this was a thing uh, i just kind of took it for granted that he still had connections to himself mm. but that's but if we think back to maggie she lost her connection to her name. So it kind of stands to reason that Blake should have possibly 
lost his connection to himself as well. Well, I mean, it depends on wait, what Ur was cutting, right? Like That's if, true. If we imagine connections as strings, like, and, and it cut, Ur cut the ones, like, you know, moving out of Blake, then why not? So, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't sure. know. But, like, you know, we saw him forgetting his own past a bit earlier. Like, you know, he was forgetting Rose's name and yeah. uh, I think he almost Alexis's forgot Alexis's name. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you're right. And then that was sort of a thread that just didn't didn't come up again. And, and I guess I forgot it. Um but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I'm just, I'm sticking with all my theories that um, th- this all has something to do with his connection to Rose still being a thing. Mm. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll get into a bit more when he has this other vision. I, I, I expect, but yeah, okay, like, we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just something because I don't know. Thinking about like Rose's creation. Like, it would be a bit easy to just create her and Blake dies and she replaces him and that's that. Like, maybe some part mm. of Blake was always going to be kept alive and that's just how this manifests in the drains. Mm. Interesting. Know. Well, we'll see, I suppose. Um, and yeah, so obviously we see again here Blake's just kind of sheer refusal to accept people telling him to lie down and die, <laughs> which I think is one of his most endearing characteristics. He's so, like unwilling to give up i love it yeah but but as you sort of already talked about and as as blake gets to towards the end of the chapter it's it's also like pulling him in deeper usually like he's him fighting back often just leads to more fighting and then he's not getting to his you know bike riding with evan around the world Mm. tour thing that he talks about wanting to do yeah um so uh mrs lewis basically gives him some drip-fed information that kind of gives him <laughs> something to follow, but uh, is is overtly saying to him, hey, I'm not going to help you, and I'm I'm off, uh, and if you follow me to try and escape, I will f- fuck you up, so see ya. Um, and Blake kind of trusts that threat enough to not uh, press the matter further. Um, yeah, he manages to control himself and, and not follow her, even though like you can tell he, he really wants he to. He does want to, yeah. Um. And obviously, like, one of the big revelations here is that the spirits are so, like, done with Blake that they don't even give a shit if he lies anymore, um, which seems to just be an attribute of the drains um, mm. based on the conversation with the witch later. But it's, uh, like, it, it, it's interesting how that doesn't feel like a weight has really been lifted <laughs> off his shoulders. No, like, it, he, it feels more ominous than anything, right? Yeah, like, he gets to do some sarcasm, and, and that is nice, but it reminds me of when, like, Maggie... Or the girl in checkered scarf was able to swear again. It was still just like, yeah, but you really shouldn't. Yeah. Like, it's that same sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So here's something that is interesting to me. M- Mrs. Lewis didn't have to come here. And she kind of came down out of some kind of loyalty to Blake, right? Some small loyalty or the fact that Blake had, you know, impressed her enough that she wanted to deliver him some some information. <laughs> but... She she kind of wanted to keep her secrets, but she did drip feed enough info to Blake that he's kind of motivated to chase it down. And it makes me feel mm. like she's too smart to have done that unintentionally. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I'm suspicious that something's going on here. Yeah, like, I, I'd have to agree. It She's way too clever, seemingly. Like, you know, you don't become one of the named partners of the demon firm, presumably, if you're not very good with your words. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, like, I don't know if this is some 4D chess move to, to help, like, this actually helps the client, even though she was, like, saying it doesn't, 
um or like you know does she actually like you know she's just being genuine when she says she really likes blake and so this is her way of like passively helping him which isn't against the rules mm. um you know like we saw in 7.x a lot of people who say they're not helping blake actually sometimes kind of are yeah i like that um, the most i think that I, that's my favorite answer to it yeah which is why like might not be true um <laughs> And then, of course, like, you know, the other alternative is that she's, like, not just helping Blake, but secretly trying to undermine the whole firm, but that might be going a mm. bit far. Like, that's that's probably a bit too much tinfoil. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, long story short, she's definitely, like, there's no way these little hints were an accident. And yeah. so unless it's somehow secretly helping whichever Rose uh, is the client, um, it, I, I would, I'd like to think that the good option is she's secretly helping out Blake uh, how yeah. she can. Yeah. Yeah, that's so nice. I'm going to keep that as my headcanon. Um, <laughs> but then that makes her kind of not completely terrible, which is going to make it worse when, like, Blake has to go up against the lawyers at some point. Uh, yeah. If well, I don't well, hate her fully. What makes you think that Blake's going to go up against the lawyers? He might just join them. He might just join them and become a lawyer. I not- mean, is, is that better? Like, are you <laughs> suggesting that as a nicer alternative? <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds me of um of that crazy ex- ex-girlfriend song, Don't Be a Lawyer, which I think applies <laughs> in this situation. Uh, anyway, so um, uh, one of the lines I really like from this section of the chapter is uh, Blake thinks to himself, uh, after Mrs. Lewis leaves, he's kind of in a, in a, obviously, a pretty shaky emotional state, and he thinks to himself, I would have been lying if I tried to convince myself that I managed to compose myself, but fuck it. I was allowed to lie now, Mm. (laughs) which is such a, like, that line conveys so many emotions in such a short sentence. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a great finisher, because I'm pretty sure it finishes out the section, like, it's a section break right after this, Um, but you're right, it's really solid and covers a lot. It's it's, it's a good line. Yeah. Um, The next section we jump into is a vision. Uh, Blake has a vision of... Of a council of, of of the council meeting in Jacob's Bell, um, discussing the impending uh, battle for the lordship. Yeah, and and so like, I'm just kind of assuming that all this is really happening. Like, yeah. it'd kind of I think it'd be weird for the story to put this much emphasis on it than for it to all have just been yeah fake faked by the drains. Like, it'll have to be yeah, at least partially true. Um, and again, like because I'm still sticking to my this is the drains like leeching off of his connection to rose theory so that would make it real yep fingers fingers crossed yeah um so so at this uh council meeting i think i guess that's a lowercase council meeting it's not like official but they're all just kind of meeting mm. um we we do a head count around uh duncan's there leading the behames um poor poor things <laughs> yeah uh and he he opts in to make a play for lord as well yeah which I, I had a good so chuckle funny at that. to me like <laughs> anyway um rose and and the cabal are here uh including a bunch circle, of new others circle room. sorry they're circle not, they're not a cabal yeah, yeah. she made um, that very clear that they're not quite a cabal yet yep technically which in fact <laughs> i guess means a lot they're not a cabal yeah. um uh, yeah, they've got some new others uh, escorting them. Evan's there looking mangy, which is a little concerning. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, Keller and Ev, two of the fairies, uh, but no Podrick. Yeah, the no Podrick bit is super weird and really stands out. Uh, yeah. Like, we we kind of just got done with the whole Podrick business, I thought, and then now we're already jumping back into another, like, where's Podrick mystery. Yeah. Um. I'm hoping that the fairy court found out and he's in a big trouble and he's just being tortured or something because mm. um, he kind of deserves it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Also, like, who knows? 
you know, Rose and the Circle, they're really not going for the whole I'm a peaceful diabolist, <laughs> no. don't worry about me vibe, are they? Yeah. They march in with this, like, fucking, you know, matching circle of boogeymen. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay, so she's terrifying. Yeah, I would say that she saw how much it didn't work for Blake, but she doesn't remember that, so who knows why <laughs> she's doing it. Um, I, I want to call out a line <laughs> that I really liked. Uh, Corvidae's there, as is Kron Mara, um, and we see Corvidae smile, a slow, wide smile. The girl, Kron Mara, twisted around, sitting back down, eyes forward, but she smiled a little too. Rose wasn't in a position to see either smile. <laughs> I love this um, because Corviday and Kronmar look at each other and smile secretly, and it's like there's so much, there's so much of this of this fucking other's life that we just have no insight into, and I'm sure it's all terrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, everything Corviday does is just terror. He's just a creepy motherfucker. Like, yeah. he's just. Um, I seem to remember when he was first brought up, I think when Rose was listing off the others she wanted to summon, Mm. it was mentioned that the theory was that he was created by the indigenous Canadians to, like, you know, attack the European settlers. Yeah. I think think that was Corviday. So, maybe, I mean, God, like, for all we know, Mara was one of them. I mean, she's probably old enough. (laughs) Which I love. Like, the idea that Crone Mara is the one who created Corviday. I, has some scary implications for how this lordship might play out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's—he's certainly not going to be an ally to Rose, but that was kind of a given. Like, he—he's not—he's not the kind of guy that you summon up to be buddy buddy with. Yeah. Um So hopefully, Rose has contingencies. But yeah, like it's a—it just adds a layer of creep to both Mara and uh, and Corviday that yeah that they're like <laughs> scheming. Yeah, that both of them, both of the most antisocial you know, characters that we have, <laughs> apart from maybe Briar Girl, but even she's a little bit better than them, um, that they have some secret scheme that they're hatching <laughs> together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see how this pays off uh, yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the, the kind of uh, Jacob's Bell elite, I suppose, start outlining the rules that they'd like to set up for the conflict in order to kind of prevent unnecessary bloodshed. Um. Yeah. And I mean... The best part about this is they decide that they need to have some rules in place so it doesn't become a mess like Toronto did, <laughs> which is, like, hilarious because Toronto had rules. You yeah. just don't remember them. Because it had very strictly they, they, defined they, rules. <laughs> yeah, they, but nobody remembers them because Blake made them up. And, you know, so, yeah, yeah. I just love the idea that there were rules, they just didn't work and it was still a massive clusterfuck. And now these guys are like, oh, but we better have rules so it's not like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty great encapsulation of... Uh, some of the cycles that we see going on in Pact, I think. You know what else that makes me realise, Elliot, is we still don't really know how Blake's erasure has affected the fact that Conquest is bound on a kitchen table somewhere last we saw of him. Yeah. Right. No, well, that, I mean, that's sort of what I said when it went down. I was like, is, is Conquest going to get out or is he just going to be in a mirror and have no fucking clue how he got there? Like, it's, you know, and, and everyone else, like, I guess presumably he's just now stuck in that mirror. Because everyone has forgotten that Blake put him there. Well, um, I, I'm pretty sure they handed him over to somebody at that dinner table meeting to, like, everybody to worry about. So maybe, oh, maybe maybe he's in some other person's custody, but it's still a bit of a question mark, right? Uh, yeah, I, I assume Toronto looks like a baby's dinner at this point. Like, it, it's it's presumably just a fucking mess. Yeah. Um, 
So while they're kind of negotiating the rules to this uh, contest, let's call it, <laughs> um, I, one of the things that really comes across to me is how confident and competent Sandra is and Johannes as well. Um, so Sandra is like effortlessly setting up these rules and to, to me as a uh, bad practitioner, I didn't catch any <laughs> of the traps that she had laid in there where there were like three or four specifically laid to give her the edge against Johannes. And he kind of caught all of the ones that he caught. And it seemed like all of them. I don't know. I, I obviously missed them anyway, so who knows. But I, I love how it kind of characterizes them as they're actually both very confident and, and competent. Like, we haven't yeah. seen Sandra do that much in story, but this kind of emphasizes, actually, she is more powerful than than she seems. Yeah, and obviously, because we're setting these two up, and we have been for a while now, as the two main contenders yep. for, for the Lordship. I mean, as we said, Duncan's kind of put his hand up for some reason. Um, and he acts as a bit of a, a bit of like a third wheel in the rulemaking as well, suggesting addendums yep. and stuff. Uh, but it's really Sandra and, and Johannes directing uh, this. Like they're, they're clearly the two who are being taken the most seriously, and they sort of define the rules the most. Um, there's yeah. some other like small we- bits that like are almost worth pointing out here, like how Johannes's first thought is about like small children. Um, <laughs> when they start talking about innocence, and I just like with all this Pied Piper stuff, I'm just like I don't like when he brings up children. And I think that was something that was mentioned in like Arcs one or two. Like when when that thought came to me, like I think there was something about him and children, and and Blake like noticed the way he smiled in Arc two that was creepy. Mm. So I don't. I don't like where that thread is probably going. Um, I can't wait to find out. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they actually do kind of put in a lot of effort into defining these terms. And eventually Sandra and Johannes seem to agree on them, which basically means everyone else agrees on them too. Um, <laughs> well. Except for Rose, <laughs> who basically shits all over them. Um, basically being like, no, I'm not agreeing to these. And then everyone else kind of realizes, well, if she doesn't, we kind of also can't. Um, yeah. So she basically fucks them all over and and makes them into even more of an enemy than they already were. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this this is exactly the sort of shit people are complaining about Diabolus for, right? Is, yeah. Uh, like, you know, making everything worse. That's pretty much what she does here. It's the equivalent of, like, dropping a demon in the middle of town, like, kind of. Like, she, they had a chance to really iron out some more peaceful ways this could go down. And the Diabolist is just like, no, nah, fuck it. Let's go wild. Let's go hog wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, which yeah. is great. Um, I, I don't <laughs> know what she's playing at. There's another, there's another bit that comes up where Johannes basically says, hey, you know that you're making us all enemies and you have friends that we can fuck with. Are you that heartless? And Rose's response is, it certainly looks like I am that heartless. Uh, Johannes says, they're open game then, Johannes asked. Try, Rose said. <laughs> And, like, what is, like, okay, so we see Tiffany fidget a little bit at this, but it doesn't surprise them, which means this was their plan, um, and unless Rose is, like, completely taking over the group, more than just pro- mostly taking over the group, <laughs> they, they they probably agreed to go along with this, um, so what the, they have a plan here, what the fuck is this plan? Just make everyone hate you as much as possible? Yeah, look, you know, Rose... Rose isn't exactly my number one person right now, but I think before we come down too harshly on this, I'm I'm 
drawn back to i think it was the start of arc 5 when blake had alexis and ty with him in conquest's tower and he basically put them on offer for conquest to take mm. uh as as champions so you know i don't think either of our thorburn twins uh have the best track record when it comes to yeah, not sure, putting these guys true. on the line um but yeah i i, I agree like unless she's she is completely heartless and and the worst uh she must have some sort of plan like she must be kind of offering them up as bait mm. unless it's a bluff um it's probably not a very good bluff if it is i i guess we'll see um <laughs> I, i'd like to think she's not that far gone um but it's hard to know right yeah but it, it's interesting how she compares and contrasts to blake in in how she's handling all this mm. uh i'll probably talk about that a bit more later i guess mm. okay um, and, and so I just wanted to bring up one last quote from, from this section, um, which is the end of this vision, uh, where it says, uh, so this is just after Rose has basically nulled the whole meeting, uh, nice. and there are no rules. And, 10 uh, points says, for that. The, nor- uh, the North End Sorcerer accepted. There were very few present who looked particularly happy with the turn of events. The Fairy were two, were two of those few. So refreshing. Ev murmured to Keller, practically squirming with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's another powerful section, Ender, because I just fucking love these maniacs. And yeah. also, like, them being keen just is such a quick and efficient way of highlighting how fucked this is now. Like, yeah. Rose is just, just in case everyone's disappointment wasn't enough, the fairy getting keen, you're like, okay, this is, this isn't good. <laughs> they only get excited when it's a six out of ten <laughs> on the shitty scale. Well, I don't think we've ever seen them squirming with excitement before. It's very, <laughs> it's very vivid. Yeah. Um, so this vision ends and Blake kind of pulls his head back together. And he's clearly upset that Rose is using his cabal as pawns in, his, in her power play. A circle. They're, they're Look, just a circle. Whatever. I'm just going to keep calling it the cabal. Um, and and uh, thing about this vision, I, again, I feel like it's one more mark in the tally that means the Janes is kind of... Uh, not necessarily sentient, but at least kind of intentionally fucking with Blake with these specific visions. Um, that one felt pretty bad. It was like, hey, look how bad Rose is doing. Doesn't it make you angry? But <laughs> but obviously she's got a plan that we didn't see. Um, no, I agree. They're, like, they are quite targeted, despite sort of what I was saying last chapter. I didn't think maybe they were, but like, it's definitely... Yeah, still holding on to the idea. It's piggybacking off a connection, but mm. it's definitely the drains are picking the right times to piggyback on that connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Blake is kind of stewing a bit and realizes from this vision and his conversation with Mrs. Lewis earlier, he needs more info, and so he decides to visit the witch as he was planning to do before. Yeah, um, and as he's making his way to her, uh, we get this like interesting description of the village, I guess. Yeah, that he's found. Um, so I mean, like, cause it's interesting, like all the architecture is like kindergarten level bad, like apparently bricks <laughs> aren't staggered. They're just like all in piles. And, and so they're all like wonky and about to fall over. And like the people aren't right. Like he complains about the crowd cause everyone's either like hyper avoidance or like hyper aggressive in, in sort of how they're pushing. So there's like, not just like normal people in the crowd. Mm. It really adds to the ambience of the whole drains just being like. It, it kind of like people being pushed to their limits and yeah and, and everything's just wrong like you know the houses you know the, you know as blake said last chapter they're worse than like what he could put together when he was homeless <laughs> like it's just nothing can go right here yeah from the seams of it yeah um you're right it all is just kind of 
fucked up, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Blake gets to the witch's house, and we get we kind of get the house described to us. And there's one line that I want to focus on here, um, where Blake notices a radio buzzed in the background, a man's voice reading what might have been baseball stats, alternating between English and a guttural foreign language. Which, that what? There's radio? <laughs> like, wait, there's a radio that's picking up signal here, presumably from. I mean, presumably from the real world, or maybe from, like, some Drains-specific radio station. Yeah. The, I have no idea, but... That, drains FM. But, like, and, and all they do is read out baseball stats, fictional <laughs> Drains baseball team stats. I don't know. But it's, it's wild, right? Like, there's a radio. that That's communication. Something's going on. Yeah, well, because, I mean, I, I guess maybe we'll get more info when we see an entrance, but I don't... You know, it's unclear where the drains exist in terms of the universe, right? Like, is this, mm. you know, and then I guess how that affects EM waves. But, you know, anyway, I'm getting too bogged down. Um, the, the important point is, if radio waves can maybe make it in for the real world, then why not leftover vestige links? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, now, now we're talking. <laughs> um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what is, is coming through? Um, so... Uh, Blake talks to the witch, uh, and his his the question that he asks her is, "How can I escape from here?" And she kind of describes to him the things that she knows about the drains and what that means for escape. Yeah, so we got some cool uh, lore or somewhat, which is like there's already been so much. All three of these chapters have been filled with like such incredible amounts of drains lore. Yep. Uh, and, and I still don't feel like we have anywhere near the whole picture. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, there's so much here. Um, in particular, like, you know, obviously there's gods down here, which is, you know, that's Cray. Um, yep. And then, like, everyone kind of keeps obsessively bringing up that domains sometimes end up here, which was weird to me. Like, mm. I don't understand why that matters so much. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, domains can end up here. Oh, and gods. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe, like, do, do domains have some other significance or, or power that I'd forgotten about or I don't know about yet? Like, I mean, I, I don't guess know. they it's... just kind of provide power and shape the world around them. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, like, like my, the only thought I have so far is that because they're essentially, like, a concentrated space that's different to normal space, mm. they when they somehow end up in the drains as, like, a solid piece, somehow they have a very... Or like a much more significant impact on the drains. Yeah, I don't know. Or they're kind of resistant to the drains, and that means that they kind of form these little shaped areas that are different and give it some variety. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's interesting. I, I, I guess we'll see if there's more to it. It's just there was something about the way everyone kept bringing up domains. So I was like, is there something I'm missing as to why that matters so much? Mm. Mm. Well, maybe we'll see. Um, the witch does tell Blake about some avenues for escape, but all of them kind of sound pretty. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess they are all low low risk for success, right? Because obviously, if there were more obvious ways out, people would take it. But they all feel very uh, uncertain. Yeah. But then on the other hand, like, what's the opposite of survivorship bias? Yeah. <laughs> because, like, you know, yeah. she doesn't know if any of these work, but it's because, like... You if know, any of them work, she would never hear, hear from that person again. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, once someone's out of the drains, they're probably like, fuck you guys. Like, see you yeah. never. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, you know, for all you know, 50% of people make it out of the drains. I very much doubt that, but... Do you think if Blake makes it out, he's going to lead some kind of, like, (laughs) great escape style (laughs) thing? (laughs) 
Um, well, it, Blake honestly seems to me like the kind of guy who'd come back in to try and save people. I don't know. Mm. Um, I don't like maybe the witch. I don't know. Um, she does tell her uh, his name, her name. I can't remember what it is in my head. I'm just thinking anathema device, but I know that's not it. <laughs> I it was like Zoe Adana, but I had the yeah. same thought. It reminded me of anathema's <laughs> name as well. That's really funny. Um, but yeah, so so the witch kind of. Tells him some things, but she she basically says, oh, I don't know that much and I'm tired, so I guess that doesn't count as a proper answer. <laughs> Ask me another <laughs> question if you want. And Blake asks about the blackfish. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Pacta gets to, like, hang a very big lampshade over the fact that the blackfish is just Blake. Yeah. Um, the Blakefish, so to speak. Yep, perfect. Because um, it is kind of corny, but just makes sense and fits into the world. Um. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. Also, I mean, because it's you know it's not a manifestation of his regrets of the time he did something lame, like most stories have. Like this is a really serious fucking memory that it yeah is manifesting as. So it it feels heavier. Yeah, and so far this this arc we've really been talking a lot about. Hey, you can give up parts of yourself, and now we see a pretty strong part of Blake's self represented as a kind of foe for him to overcome or maybe give up um mm -hmm. it's a it's a clever way of of bringing that you know seeding that concept early on and really bringing it to the forefront now yeah well i mean you know it's sort of it's interesting because it's it's kind of the epitome of this whole drop parts of yourself thing because like there's a lot presumably to tempt blake like now he basically has one way of in one fell swoop Getting rid of getting rid of his biggest trauma. Yeah, you know, like, and you he, know, he he basically says like this is he he doesn't want to know this because yeah. that that's awfully tempting and uh, like yeah like it, it's so easy to think of it as like oh this would be a good thing right to yeah. get rid of something that traumatic it's hard not to sit like just instantly sort of think oh good like let's do it but then you think about it more and it's like oh I don't know like that's that's a, a big cool part of part who of you what are has made me who I am exactly yeah I love Blake's reaction to it like. As soon as he hears it, he knows, well, fuck, like, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before I give this up now because I just know myself well enough to know that when I'm in my lowest point, I will choose to turn that off. And that's pretty scary, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's, let's lighten the mood with a nice funny quote here from the witch. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Blake, they're talking about the blackfish and Blake says, I'm not most. How do I bind him or seal him or banish him or whatever? And the witch's response is, ah, and I was starting to suspect you weren't a real practitioner, <laughs> which is great. Um, I love the witch. She's so awesome. She's so like real. She's one of the most honest characters we've seen so far. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Again, continuing that trend of people who can lie don't have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I also love the bit where she accuses him of strip teasing because um, yep. he tries to give her his shirt. Classic um, Blake. But yeah, I mean, she she is pretty great. Yeah. I'm so glad that the creepy witch and the creepy drones is actually just cool. <laughs> yeah. It seems that, like, because we had Green Eyes, who is obviously the first monster that Blake encountered, and she was cool. The settlement of, of kind of half monster people, they were cool. The The witch, pretty cool, like... Drains is shaping up to be a pretty cool, a pretty cool place. Apart from that weird, cold tentacle monster, maybe he's just yeah. trying to hug him. Who knows? Uh, and the evil gods and goblins and stuff. But no, you're right. It's like when the seemingly when the universe isn't conspiring to put you in harm's way all the time, you can just meet cool people even in the drains. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think that's Blake's reaction to some of this stuff as well. Is like, oh, this must what it be? This must be what it's like to just not have a shit ton of bad <laughs> karma all the time. Um, yeah. So so. Uh, yeah, we touched on this already. Uh, Blake thinking about how he always seems to take the step that he needs to take, which actually takes him away from what he wants to do. Um, yeah, and you're kind of still doing it, but whatever. <laughs> I guess you're self-aware now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's not much to add there. I mean, that's, you know, I, I remember reading a quote once from George R. R. Martin where he was like, you know, the best thing to do with characters is have their like heart and their head in conflict. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's sort of what is happening uh you know Bl- well Blake is just encapsulating that exact sort of theory uh right here by saying that that's what keeps happening to him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um so uh they keep talking about the blackfish, the blakefish, and eventually the witch reveals to Blake that uh it's her theory that the answer for him isn't to cut loose his trauma but to embrace it. Um, this is tying him down. This is being used against him by the by the drains. And the only way to kind of extract yourself from the drains is to give it no power over you. So you have to embrace it. Yeah. So the way I'm sort of picturing this is the drains are like trying to make you more other. They're they're trying to take away like your humanity and like yourself. Yep. And this is manifesting in these various specific bad things that are happening to Blake. And basically, you have to embrace them and take take the good and the bad parts of you um, to to kind of make yourself more whole, which opens up the exits, I think is the term that, that they use. So, yep. I mean, wait, that, and that sort of makes sense to me. So, obviously, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the rest later. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah. So this is the witch's theory because she was actually in a situation similar to Blake where she was, you know, searching for a way out. And she seems to imply that she got pretty close. Um, But when she was faced with having to do this, having to bring her trauma on board, she was scared of that. And so she backed down and she decided, okay, it's easy for me to just stay in the drains. Um, I love that idea. I love the similarities between them. And I love that... uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I just like the witch a lot as a character. She's she's very endearing. Yeah, well, and I mean that's the thing. She's in a pretty good place. She's not that deformed. She has a relatively nice house with plants in the windows. Uh you know, like she's a good argument for just sort of trying to do the the waiting game and make your peace with it. Like, yeah. At the same time as she's providing Blake with these answers, she's providing him with insight into someone who isn't totally miserable here yeah. from the seams of it yeah and it's like seems to have maintained a fair bit of her humanity both physically and mentally yeah and that maybe that's an argument for kind of coming to peace with it i mean this is basically what mrs lewis was saying right um like mm. you can fight you can try and find this exit but it might you're just gonna make make yourself get fucked over faster alternatively choose peace you won't live a great life sure but you'll you'll live a life like the witch or like some of these other characters where you can have some semblance of of peace i mean it's interesting if you wanted to be really charitable to what she said you could maybe try and read it as her saying he should do the embracing thing not the give up and die thing Mm. um i don't know if i'd go that far but like you know she she was maybe potentially on purpose ambiguous about that yeah yeah um so blake comes to terms with the idea that he's going to have to embrace the blakefish 
Um, and he leaves and he heads back to the bridge where he saw Carl. And uh, Carl appears and approaches Blake and and Blake I mean, embraces him. Um, yeah, they, they, they literally, well, Carl literally, literally embraces him. And Blake is taken somewhere nice, seemingly. Somewhere yeah. nice. The cruelest nice place that we've ever seen, probably. And I'm sure it's going to go fine. <laughs> yeah. There's no way this is ominous. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, especially because... So, yeah, what we're sort of talking about before is we've essentially sort of had this setup that Blake needs to embrace these uh, parts of himself that the Drains is using to grind him down. Yeah. And what's interesting is he has three, which the witch implies is is a lot, mm. um, which is hopefully a good thing. I don't know. Mm. Um, it could be a bad thing. This is Blake. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and, and, like, of course, you know, there's sort of, for him, there's a past, present, and future uh set that he's being attacked with it's kind of you know um uh, what's that christmas story a, a christmas ghost? carol yeah a christmas carol it's like a really distorted version of a christmas carol <laughs> um yeah and this is obviously his past one and i mean i don't i don't expect that it's as simple as standing your ground and letting him hug you that will like do the whole thing so yeah. i have a feeling whatever uh grassy fertilized place he's ended up in uh is not the end of dealing with his past Mm. but um i mean it's interesting to try and think about how he'll have to deal with his present and future uh bits as well Mm. like i feel like he he mentions rose there's one time where when when the when the blake fish is is said to be like a distorted reflection of him he's like oh i've already been having to deal with one really distorted reflection (laughs) cold uh (laughs) Yeah, which is like very harsh. Uh, probably fair, but mm. uh, very harsh. And it, well, it got me thinking of um, like I wonder if that's going to be something he has to embrace too. Is the similarities he shares with Rose? Like maybe mm. these visions. Be interested to see more of the visions, but I'm wondering if maybe uh, he's going to have to accept that he and Rose aren't that different. Because there was a lot of a lot of the stuff we saw Rose do in this meeting was simultaneously felt very Blake and very not Blake. Yeah. And I think maybe he has to come to terms with the very Blake parts of them. Well, I I can see a read where this is the kind of stuff Blake would do, but we just see the reasoning behind it when he's doing it. Yeah, exactly. We're in his head. We know what he's thinking. Like, whereas with Rose, just hearing her say, like, I object, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, (laughs) And maybe maybe that's just what Blake looks like to the outside world. Everyone's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. (sighs) We'll see, I suppose, next time on Deep Impact. Um, but before we go, one one last thing before we go, uh, which is uh, we wanted to do another discussion question. I always love doing this. We, I, say, I think yeah. I say this every time, but everybody always finds such interesting historical or mythological connections. And so I'm always very keen to give our, our audience a chance to flex their, uh, their, <laughs> their historic muscles a bit. Um, so yeah. we've decided on another discussion question, which is, who is a historical or mythological figure who you think gave something up in the drains and then came back different? Um, and I guess it's uh, technically packed fan fiction, but, you know, I'm still keen to hear it. Um, <laughs> uh, bonus yeah, points for, for non-Rasputin answers. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I, and I mean, yeah, because there's like, there's sort of, you know, different angles to take this. I think, like, you can focus on who they were before their trip to the drains and what mm. was different when they came out or you yeah. know, just just the latter like you know there's uh, I, i'm interested to see what people can come up with about why 
something special about a historical or mythological figure is drains related. Yeah, I like the idea. Um, I suspect there will be some depressing stuff in there, but hey, <laughs> we'll do our best to, to keep it lighthearted. Uh, and we'll be taking a look at these answers in a week's time, uh, which will be 9.6. Yeah, so a week from today. So try and get them in by the 9.4 discussion thread. If you really want yours to be read out, 9.5 will be pushing it. Yeah. Uh, those bonus week, uh, those bonus chapter weeks are pretty crammed. Yes, it's true. Um, 9.4 is our next episode. So if you, uh, you'll have about, what, six days to come up with your answer and pop it in a discussion thread. Um, yep. Speaking of discussion threads, you can find the discussion thread for this very chapter linked in the uh, episode description down below. Yeah, but if Reddit's too complicated for you, and I know you it like is the for ease me. of use of Twitter, yep. um, so, man, so I find Twitter, I, uh, it's very hard. I find Twitter very hard. All right, Grandpa. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, if you're if you're young and hip, unlike me, yeah. uh, you can head yeah. to at MediaMD Podcast on Twitter.com, and that's that's our Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see a, a live read there probably in a few days uh, as Elliot yeah. reads through 9.4 for the first time. Yes, um, so it's on uh, Saturday afternoons Australia time or mm-hmm. Friday nights America time or just, just go to the Doof calendar, which is on doofmedia.com, and you can see when they all are there, and it's probably easier that way. Also on doofmedia.com, you'll find information about uh, this show and all the other shows on the Doof Media Network. Uh, Deep Impact, MediaMD that's on there now. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Vout of You, still my favorite show on the <laughs> Doof Media Network, <laughs> including ours. Uh, anyway. Um, and actually, we have a a new uh, show on the Doof Network. Um, do the right thing. So, Elliot, why don't you, why don't you explain what do the right thing is? Yeah. So, do the right things like this cool creative writing uh, podcast, where mm. basically every week uh, the hosts, are usually a guest, and all the listeners, uh, you, you've got like a writing challenge. You get half an hour to write a short story based on some some prompts. And then, uh, you know, the the hosts sort of go through their stories, the guest stories, and any listener stories that are that they get. And um, it, it's it's just a really cool way to kind of you know get your get your creative write, writing juices flowing a bit. And like only having half an hour to write kind of takes the pressure off having to do something very good, um, <laughs> which is nice. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out the episode, uh, the the most recent episode, uh, if you want to check out the show. Actually, the the second uh, most recent episode had a story by one of their guests that was genuinely incredible. Uh, Zoe. Um, and actually, if you want to hear Elliot here, our very own Elliot <laughs> write some stories. Um, he did one uh, last episode that was kind of xenofiction and one this episode that was about a troubled parent-child uh, relationship. So very uh, Wild Bow-inspired themes, I think, there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, you can check those out. Uh, so that's Do the Right Thing, which you should now be able to find on the Doof Media website. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to support shows like Deep Impact and Do the Right Thing, head on over to patreon.com slash doofmedia. Do the Right Thing is like write, like writing. Not So it's like a, yeah. it's like a play. Wait, the W, words. the one that starts with a W. It, yeah. It's a pun. It's a um, pun. Interesting. I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, that was I deep impact. You about the Patreon. <laughs> no, I was pretty much done. Go um, to the Patreon and uh, help support these shows. Like, do the right thing, spelt with a W, and, mm-hmm, and deep impact, mm-hmm. and other non-pun related show names. <laughs> I don't support those ones. If it doesn't got a pun in the name, it's not worth supporting. 
Um, and while you're in a supporting generous mood, why don't you head on over to Wildbo's Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Wildbo, and give him a nice uh, regular monthly bit of income for writing these awesome stories. Awesome, depressing, and very fun and horrifying and cool <laughs> stories. Yeah, that about sums them up. <laughs> um, and you will hear from us next on Monday the 5th of August for Null 9.4. So we'll see you then. See ya. See ya.